Well, I wanted to start today uh, with a little story about a grandmother that I heard about. Her name is Mamie. She was known as Mamie by her grandchildren. She had several grandchildren uh, who she would frequently send letters to. She was very faithful about that. And she would go to the post office and buy her stamps. And she would wait in long lines so she could buy her stamps. And people knew why she was there. They would see her there frequently. And, uh, you know, one day someone turned to her while she was waiting in line, and they asked, Mamie, why do you wait in line to get stamps when you can just go over there to the stamp machine to buy them? And Mamie replied by saying, well, the stamp machine doesn't ask me about my arthritis. So I think a lot of us could use somebody in our lives at some point to ask us about what's going on, whether it's asking us about our arthritis or maybe our back pain or our kids or our job. We all could use somebody to be there for us, okay, um, to be with us through the ups and downs of life. And we all um, need human contact. And, you know, God designed life to, to revolve around relationships, and I think so many of us have kind of forsaken that, forsaken that with relationships on things like Facebook and other social media. We tend to just uh, use that and stare at a computer screen instead of having that person-to-person contact. And I really couldn't imagine living my life without the family and the friends that surround me, you know, to be there for me in the hard times and be there with me to celebrate the exciting things in life, too. And um, it's interesting, we see uh, there was a survey uh, done at the Oxford Internet Institute that points out that social media and the Internet can actually be beneficial for us, but can also be detrimental as well. Now, it's beneficial, obviously, because we get to keep in touch with a large number of people, um, and we get to kind of keep tabs on our friends and family members that live far away. But at the same time, it's detrimental because we tend to see people's exaggerated lives online. Okay, we, we tend to see all the good, exciting things that are happening in people's lives, like, you know, whether it's, um, you know, going to a cool Braves game or maybe going to the opera. We see all these fantastic things. Going to London, you know, to visit your son. Woo, you know, all that fun stuff. And we say, man, my life stinks, you know. I, I'm seeing all this cool stuff that these people are doing on my Facebook feed. Why isn't my life that exciting? So we see this exaggerated um, example of people's lives, and we start to get depressed. We start to think, man, this life is not going as well for me as I thought it should. And so we, we start to withdraw, and we, we become lonely. And we, don't, we know of people, we know about people, but we don't really know anybody. All right, And some of us, I think, fall into that trap. So this leads me to ask, what are we missing out on? Why are so many of us walking around depressed and feeling lonely. And, you know, people in my age group, that 18 to 34 category, there was actually a study done by the Mental Health Foundation that said our age group is actually uh, has more feelings and thoughts of loneliness and depression than people 55 and over. And um, that just seems a little, con- you know, counter to what you would think. And uh, I wanted to talk today about the importance of living in community living in relationship with people around you, having person-to-person contact with somebody so that they're there for you in those hard times because we could all use somebody uh, in those times. So we're going to be looking today, uh, we're we're taking a break, obviously, from our giving series, and I know y'all are probably like, man, I I didn't want to hear about giving again. Uh, We're going to finish that up next week, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, 
verse 42 today, and we're going to look at the early church. And this is really the model that we've used here at Village Church for our small group ministry. So we're going to use this as a basis um, to encourage you to really be a part of a small group, to get involved with the people that are sitting around you here this morning, the people that you come into contact with that maybe you say good morning to, but you've never really built a relationship with. So look with me in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, If you have that, if you have your mobile device, feel free to grab that and uh, scroll through here with me. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So a little background uh, here in our scripture. In the chapter before, we see Jesus' ascension into heaven. And uh, he tells them in Acts 1-8 that, he will send, that they will receive power through the Holy Spirit, and then they will be his witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So after this, that promise came true, and they received the Holy Spirit. So Peter then preached, and over 3,000 people were added to the Christian church that day which was really an amazing thing. So um, it's from there that we pick up here. We see the model of the early church and its beginnings. And the first reason that it's important that I feel like it's important for us to be part of a V group is that it's where you connect. It's where you connect with people. So um, when I think of connecting, I tend to think about like computers and internet. I don't know if anybody's with me on that, but you hear the word connect and I'm thinking, well, I've got to get connected as far as my wireless internet. And one day, actually a couple of weeks ago, I had trouble connecting my iPhone to my computer. Any of you guys um, have that capability where you can like use your iMessage on your computer and it sends it through your phone? Yeah, so I had been using this feature and I'd gotten used to it and it was really cool, so I liked it. And one day I started my computer up and it wasn't doing it anymore. So I was very frustrated, you know, it's, it's one of those like first world problems, <coughs> excuse me, that we deal with from time to time. And um, I got frustrated, so I started looking for, um, on the internet, ways that I could fix this problem. How could I reconnect my computer? And I tried a couple things, and they didn't work. And so the next logical explanation was, I need to update my software. So that's what I did. I may get in trouble from James for doing this, because he's always telling me, don't update your software. But I updated my software, and boom, everything connected again. Everything was working the way it was before. So I'm guessing that a lot of us in here might need to update our software, update our thinking about connecting to a V group. I know some of us have these preconceived notions about being in a small group, interacting with people that maybe you don't really know at first. But I want to tell you that it's a very important part of your Christian walk. And the biggest reason is because Jesus connected with people. Jesus connected with people I mean, he had 12 disciples that he connected with every day, every day. And then on top of that, he had three in his inner circle that he was even more intimately uh, involved with and that he was so close with that he really allowed 
um, them to glimpse into his life to see who he really was, okay, and to share that part of himself with these men. So it's important that we connect because Jesus connected with people. Now we see here in the early church in our scripture that there were a couple ways that the people connected. And the first way is that they did it every day. We see in our scripture that they met daily. They devoted themselves daily to breaking bread and to prayer. Okay, so it's important that they met regularly with people of Christian faith. And not only did they do it in people's homes, as we saw here, I think it's interesting that we see that they were connecting in public places, in the public arena. They were meeting in temple courts, all right? And this was probably a pretty dicey thing to do at that time, meeting in the temple courts as Christians and um, talking about their faith, encouraging one another, maybe even proclaiming the word of God to other people and the promises they'd received. So they were impacting people in their lives in public as new believers. So it's important that we connect because Jesus connected and then we see the early church connected. And the question is, how do you connect with a small group? How do you do it? Well, we just got done with our V groups fair, um, and that's a time where we have three Sundays where we get a chance to meet with V group leaders on a face-to-face basis. We get to talk with them, ask them about their groups, uh, talk to them about the dynamic of their group, where they meet, when they meet. And uh, that's a great time to get connected to a V group. But outside of that, you know, you can always come to me as V groups pastor. I'm here for you. That's, that's part of what I do here is to connect people to a small group. So if you ever want help with that, you can email or call me anytime, jonathan at blythewoodvillage.com, or you can call the church office. And also we have on our website our in-fellowship link, so you can search any of our groups, find out where the groups are meeting and when they're meeting, and you can find the group that way too. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for you guys to connect in a group. And for those of you who have only done it once or twice, you know, I have, I have some words for you. If you've kind of given up on groups and said, man, that's just really not for me, right? Maybe you went one time and it was a little uncomfortable because you didn't know anybody there or maybe, maybe somebody said something that you didn't necessarily agree with. So you said, you know, I just, I don't think I'm going to do this group thing. You know, it's just kind of weird. I would encourage you to keep trying keep trying. Do it again and again and again, right? And give it a second, third, fourth try because as you meet with those people on a regular basis, you will get to know them and you will connect with them and you will have grace towards the other people in your group as they have grace towards you. Don't ever forget that. People in your group have grace towards you as well. So, and an illustration that I think about um, things becoming more natural is, uh, is singing. And I grew up singing all my life. Um, it's something I love to do. But it wasn't until I got into high school and I started taking voice lessons. And you realize really how much work it is to be a classically trained singer. And, uh, you know, I started going to these voice lessons and my voice teacher would make you do all these weird things and stand, you know, in this very uh, interesting posture and put your shoulders back and make sure that you're nice and relaxed. And then, you know, that's just the start of it. Then they start messing with your mouth and, you know, they're like poking your lips in like this and they're telling you to have very tall vowels like this and you're talking like an English person before you know it and uh, you have lots of space. So it's very strange. It's very weird when you first start doing it. 
But as you do it more and more, it becomes natural. It becomes natural and second nature to you, right? And it's the same with small groups. When you commit to connecting with people in your group, the more you do it, the more natural it's going to become. So don't give up. Don't give up after one or two times. Keep trying. Keep trying and going back. So we've answered the question, um, how do you connect with a small group? But I think the next logical question is, why? Like, why should I even bother connecting with people? Well, there's two more words in our mission statement. My three points are our mission statement, by the way, connect, fellowship, and grow. So the reason, one of the reasons why we should connect with people is for true Christian fellowship. True Christian fellowship. We can see back in our verse here, Acts 2, 44 through 46, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, you know, fellowship is something that's always been kind of hard to define, I feel like. Um, and if you grew up in, like, traditional Southern culture, Southern Baptist culture, really, uh, you hear the word fellowship, and immediately my mind goes to, like, potluck suppers where you're just going to, like, pig out on all this food that people have brought, eat uh, gorge on fried chicken and pie, right? I mean, that's what fellowship is, okay? And then they'd be sitting around chatting, shooting the breeze with other people, hey, man, how's the weather, that sort of thing. Well, it's so much more than that. True Christian fellowship is so much more than that, right? And there's three principles behind true Christian fellowship that I want to point out. The first is that it's grounded in the testimony or proclamation of God's word. And that without this underlying strength, togetherness is impossible, okay? It says in verse 47 here that they were praising God. They were praising God. Now, what were they praising God about? They were praising God about the salvation they'd received in Jesus Christ, about the amazing and miraculous things that they had experienced. And not all of them had been there to see and to hear and to touch Jesus. So they were going on the word that was being proclaimed by the believers. They were trusting in the word of the Lord. And they were proclaiming that to each other. Every time they gathered together, they were remembering what Jesus Christ did for them. So that's a part of Christian fellowship. Number two, it's mutual. It's mutual. So when we get together in fellowship, um, if I asked um, Mike Quinn over here to say, hey, Mike Quinn, let's get together. Let's fellowship, man. And then we were hanging out in, the, hanging out in my house, but I didn't even speak to him. I mean, would that, would that really be fellowship? No, because, you know, my idea of, of fellowshipping and his idea of fellowshipping were probably a little different in that case. So when you get together to say you're going to fellowship with one another, it means that you share life together. It reminds me of a story of a, a pastor who had a Brazilian seminary student coming to shadow him. And this student, um, they were, they, he picked him up from the airport and they were driving to the church. And on the way, the pastor asked, hey, would you like to stop and grab a cup of coffee? And the, the seminary student got very excited and he said, yes, I'd be honored to have a cup of coffee with you. So the pastor, he swung into Starbucks, went through the drive through and then pulled off, and, the, and they went on their merry way to the church. And the seminary student got really quiet, and the pastor, you know, started to disturb him a little bit, and he asked, hey, are you okay? Like, did I say or do something? And the seminary student said, well, I thought that we were going to share life together over a cup of coffee, that you wanted to be my friend. 
Okay, so his idea of what they were going to do when they got a cup of coffee was different from the pastor's caffeine fix, okay? They had different ideas about why they were getting a cup of coffee. So it's got to be mutual. It's got to be reciprocal between the people that are there together to fellowship. All right, and number three, it's renewed daily by the Holy Spirit. We see here that the early church met daily, that together they were with each other almost every day. And I want to look at Philippians 2, verse 1 through 3 here, um, for a closer look at what it means to be uh, renewed by the Holy Spirit. It says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. So our fellowship with the Spirit gives birth to tenderness and compassion towards one another. And the Spirit connects our hearts and minds to be of one mind, to be of one purpose. And that way our, our impact as a body of believers has such a greater impact than we could by ourselves. So we see that true Christian fellowship combines social and spiritual interaction. And it's made possible only through a living relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the foundation, okay? In order to have true Christian fellowship, we've got to have a relationship with Christ. And as we do that, we're going to find joy, we're going to find assurance, and motivation to see God work in our lives. But if we never get together with other believers, we're never going to see what's going on in each other's lives. We're never going to know, we're never going to hear testimony of God working in someone's life. So it's important that we do that. So it's important that we connect with others because we experience true Christian fellowship, but also because it provides an opportunity for us to grow. It provides an opportunity for us to grow. So we see in Acts 2.47 again that as um, they gathered together, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the early church had a lot of potential, um, and the potential was really in the people of the church. Um, they had a reputation for doing good. They were meeting in the temple courts, and people were seeing them interacting in true fellowship with each other, bearing each other's burdens, suffering alongside one another, and they were connecting with each other. And through this, they gained favor. They gained favor with the other people in their community. So how were they truly growing, though? Not, not just in number, but how were they growing spiritually? And I think we get a good idea of this when we look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Um, he gives us this scripture in Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. It says, Christ himself, <coughs> sorry, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So who are these people in verse 11? 
who are the people that he listed in, in, uh, as, as a prophets, evangelists, teachers? Who would they be today? You. You are those people today. You have received the Holy Spirit. You have received those gifts. And through that, you guys, it is your responsibility to grow the church, to no longer be children, to grow up into maturity in your faith. And we do that together better than we, do, better than we would alone. God has designed his church to grow. <clears throat> and there's, a, there's an interesting scripture in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9, where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So it's important to understand that we have a responsibility to grow spiritually ourselves, to help those around us grow so that we can be the body of Christ that we're meant to be. Okay? And when I think of, of building something, I think of uh, back in the day when we bought our first house. We bought a very small house in Abbeville. It was about 1,100 square feet. It was an old house, had about three closets to work with in the whole place. So we decided, look, we need some more storage space. So I'm going to build a shed, you know, be, me being the handy guy that I am. I said, I'm going to build myself a shed. And I had been on some mission trips, and I'd seen some things about how to do stuff like this. So I was like, I think I can handle this. So I started building this shed. I built a foundation for it on little stilts. I leveled it all out. I, I actually used a level. And then um, from there, started building the walls and then started building the roof. But when we got to the roof, I realized there was this problem. I had not cemented the stilts in the ground. And so the foundation had actually shifted some, and it was crooked. And we put the roof on, and it was kind of leaning one way. And at that point, I was like, man, we're so far into this, I don't think we can go back and fix it. So I didn't. And so we left this shed with this leaky roof and tilted foundation, and it never really was, um, you know, top-notch. It was usable, but it wasn't great. Now, why did it turn out that way? Because I didn't have the right know-how. I didn't have the right skills. I thought I did, but I didn't really have the right skills to do it correctly. And I think some of us go around thinking, we have all the skills we need to build God's kingdom ourselves. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says there are other people gifted in other areas that we need to work together with to build God's church, to grow his church. So it's important that we are fellowshipping with others, that we're growing together. And there's a couple ways that we grow that I want to outline quickly. Number one is we grow closer to God, obviously. Number two, we grow in how we live out the gospel, not just how much we know about it, but how much we do with it. What, do, what are we doing with this knowledge? Number three, we grow closer to each other. <clears throat> you know, there are times when we're there for each other. Uh, we take meals to one another when uh, they're sick or when someone has passed in one of our families in our V group. Um, we've helped each other move. I've, I can't tell you how many people I've helped move in our V group. It's been crazy. All right, we grow in number. You know, we've seen um, our V group over there grow from one to two groups, and now we're almost ready to split off and start a third group. So we're growing in number two. But how does that happen? How does it happen? It happens when people are using their giftedness in their particular area, allowing God to use them in ways they've never been used before. And, um, you know, we're able to do that 
because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And so do you. So do you. You have that power within you. And we see here in, in our passage that these people were selling their possessions and giving it away to people. All right? I doubt any, if, you know, some of you, if maybe none of you have ever done that before. They were allowing God to use them in a way that was not their design. It was not what I thought I would ever do in my life, but they were doing it, okay? They were allowing God to use them. Now, it's important to me that you not just hear this from me, that you, you know, I, I can only beat you over the head so many times about small groups. Um, I want you to see it from someone else. And we went to the Wilson V Group a couple weeks ago, and we got some video of uh, Matt and Carrie Wilson, the leaders of the group, and then some testimony from them and the people in their group. So um, let's take a look at this video. I want you to see for yourself what I'm talking about here. worked in our group from day one. Um, we've had some tragedies happen uh, with some family members in our group, which we consider our group members our family now, um, and that's a, a way that God has definitely brought us all closer together. Um, we can lean on one another um, in prayer and in fellowship. When we were considering joining the V group, I think one of our biggest fears, I guess, could be um, was possibly being judged. That fear kind of subsided almost immediately uh, of our first uh, going to the first V group that we went to. Anybody who's uh, thinking about considering or joining a V group, uh, I would encourage them to go ahead and do that. You were actually getting a group of people that you were going to experience and go through life with, um, fellow Christians. Um, we pray for each other. Um, we go through the ups and downs with each other. V Group has given Scott and I a, um, an opening to, to really discuss uh, what God means to us and um, has let us not be afraid to discuss our uh, religious um, thoughts more openly with each other. I enjoy it. I enjoy the kids being here. Um, it's a great thing for us uh, in the church because we get to do all of it. And uh, the V Group's done that for us. Uh, and we like it. It's been many years since I've participated in anything like this. I would say, too, that I was um, never involved in a church growing up. So um, I always kept waiting for something to present itself that would give me a chance to talk with other people about Christ and to, um, to learn about, um, about Christ and how, and how to worship and how to study the Bible. And, and do so in an atmosphere that doesn't make you feel um, like you're ignorant or embarrassed about what you don't know. And this B group has, has certainly given me that. If you're thinking about uh, leading a group, God has put it in your heart, uh, and you need to do it. Uh, it's no doubt about it. If you do it with your whole heart, God will make a way for you. Yeah, if, if, you know, if someone has pointed you out, uh, you know, when Jonathan first came to me and said, hey, man, you want to lead a group? And, you know, I wasn't really sure about that. But, you know, if, if God has put people in your life that, that recognize or see things in you, 
um, then you need to just trust God to give you the ability to do that. But just go for it. You know, you'll be surprised um, or amazed at what God will do in you and through you and in your groups. And trust Him. Just pray and trust Him, and He'll lead the way. Isn't that great? That, that always brings a huge smile to my face. I think I watched that video like 10 times this week. That just gets me so excited. And you know, the atmosphere in that group is so warm, so inviting. And I just don't know how you couldn't um, participate in something like that. So it's my hope that when you guys take this step of faith, that when you decide to connect in a V group, that you're going to share your hopes and fears with each other. You're going to pray together. You're going to bear each other's burdens. You're going to care for one another. And as you guys do that, your aim will become one. You will become like-minded. And you are going to grow in your love for God. And as you grow in your love for God, you're going to grow in your love for each other. And when you do, I have no doubt that you're going to be blessed by God and blessed by the people that surround you also. So right now, I just want to take a second. I want to recognize any V-group leaders that are here or your spouses. If you're a V-group leader or a spouse, would you stand up for me? I know I got one here. Awesome. So I know we'll have a lot more in second. Apparently, my V group leaders like second service. Okay, but thank you, Mike Quinn. And you know, Mike and the leaders that you see are the ones that care for you. They're the ones that are dedicated to being here for you, being a part of your life. So I encourage you, stop one of them. Talk to them about their group. Find one on in fellowship and get connected, get plugged in because we all could use somebody like a Mike Quinn or a Patrick Tyndall, or a Donna Ballblitz, or somebody in our life that is there for us in the ups and downs. So if, if that's something you're interested in doing today, get out that connection card that's in your bulletin this morning. If you want to know more about V-Groups, check that box that says, I want to know more about V-Groups. And I will contact you or one of my volunteers will contact you this week because we want to get you plugged into one of these groups. Now, maybe some of you here this morning have never gotten plugged into a group, and you don't know what Christian fellowship really is because you've never given your life to Christ. And we've talked about that being that foundation. And if there's uh, a spot in your life that you feel like is void this morning, uh, a gap that needs to be filled, can I suggest, first of all, that you fill it with Jesus Christ? Another person in your life is going to be there for you, but Jesus Christ is the only one that can redeem you, the only one that can save you and bring you salvation.